Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hi, guys. Coming up on today's show, untangling what in the world is going on between Nicki Minaj and Megan the Stallion is a task, but we're here to do it. <laughs> Plus, Sophia Richie Grange is pregnant. Travis Kelsey is in the Super Bowl, but all anyone wants to know is if Taylor Swift can get there in time and then. Our first slow news week of 2024. <laughs> you are welcome. But first, Michelle, how was your week? It was a good week. Not much happened, so I will not waste anyone's time. <laughs> Just another week in the life of Michelle Andrews. I don't feel like you'd be wasting our time, but if you've got nothing, you've got nothing. <laughs> I do have a quite heartfelt recommendation not to bring the mood down straight away. That's I know fine. we are the show for fun and giggles at the moment, but I do have a bit of a sadder wreck. If you're on TikTok, I'm guessing you would have seen the name Kat Janice pop up this week. If you're not, let me explain. Kat is a pop singer. She is currently fighting terminal cancer. She's been told that she doesn't have very long left. And she's gone viral on TikTok this week because she's been sharing her story and she has released one final song which she has dedicated towards her son. So all proceeds from this song will be given towards her son, of course, and particularly to help him go through education and grow up without her. Her son's seven years old. I want to recommend this because, first of all, it's a bloody good song. It's a great song. I think if you like Dua Lipa, I was in the shower this morning trying to figure out, like, what is the vibe that I'm getting from this that maybe would help the listeners understand. If you liked your Lipa, I think you'll love this song. It's called Dance You Out of My Head. So first of all, like stream the song. It's awesome. It's going to a really amazing cause. But also read the profile on Kat Janice in the Washington Post. It's called From Hospice, Alt Pop Singer Releases What May Be Her Final Song for Her Son. I will get upset if I talk about this for too long, but it's a beautiful piece. It speaks to Kat. It also speaks to her brother. It gives you insight into her life and how she grew up, the daughter of a DJ. And it's just, it's a short piece, but it's a beautiful piece. And I really loved it. Yeah. And as you say, like, not just an important song to stream, but a really good one too. It's great. It's, it's so great. Track. Like, yeah. what a beautiful legacy totally. to leave behind. The number of people I'm seeing on social media just dance with so much joy to this song this week. This is one of those moments where I really adore social media. I was going to say that too. It is one of those times that I love social media. Mm. I mean, I, sometimes I hate social media when they get on bandwagons and sometimes I love social media when they get on bandwagons and this is one I can get behind. One of the most beautiful bandwagons I've seen that's me. What about you? Well, I'm good. I had a good week. I met Louis Tomlinson this week. <laughs> you did not <laughs> mean when, when I say I met <laughs> Louis Tomlinson, I walked behind him. <laughs> Are we going to be honest with um, the listeners well, about what actually happened? Okay, well, I think because can... you didn't think you met Louis. All right, let me take it back to the start. I was walking into the Australian Open on Saturday. I was going to the women's final and I was walking in and I'm not kidding. I'm starting to get kind of knocked aside a little bit. Like there's a lot of commotion. And I was like, I know we're all excited for the tennis, but why am I getting knocked? And I noticed there's like this posse of people walking very quickly and everybody has their phones out Mm. tracking this posse of people. Now, I couldn't work out for the life of me who this was. So I turned to the poor girl behind me and I say, excuse me. Who is it? <laughs> like You're some, the pop culture expert. I know. It's like some kind of boomer. I was like, so sorry. <laughs> Who are we tracking? They're like, it's Louis Tomlinson. I was like, oh, my God, I got to go. Because I was like, I've got to 
service the people. This is my job. Yeah. It's like an undercover police officer, you know, who spots a criminal. You've got to go. If a One Directioner (laughs) is in your midst, you must perform. You must do the thing for the shamelessness. So I ran and I videoed the back of his head and I put it on our stories. And it was probably too short a video. It was about three seconds. But I had been out for lunch all day. It had been a long lunch. I'd been... (laughs) had a few wines. I'd had a few wines. And I was just like so disappointed in myself that I didn't recognise him. I was like, how did I not recognise him. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, I 1000% thought it was Liam Payne. <laughs> I, I thought I was tracking Liam Payne. But you tagged Louis. I but in your mind, Louis you were picturing Liam. In my mind. And I kept telling everyone all night, he just looks so different. Were <laughs> you like, what work has he had done? I was just like, oh, like I know maybe they're much older now. And I kept telling everyone that he looked so different because I was thinking about the wrong One Directioner. Terrible pop culture expert. You I are. know. But that's what happens after a long lunch. So, Yes, that was my week. That was a highlight. That is a big highlight, I would say. It was pretty big. I mean, he's a pretty big celeb. Not, um, big not that you would know. <laughs> <laughs> not that I would know, but just some. Uh, my recommendation from this week is Emily Blunt on the Awards Chatter podcast. I love the Awards Chatter podcast on A Good Month, but... I love the Awards Chatter podcast in awards season because they get all the talent. They get everyone. And I think the reason they get everyone is because they basically just talk and track the careers of the people, Mm. the actors they're interviewing. Sort of like the actors on actors model, which is, hey, we'll talk to you about your craft, no personal questions. And then they do it. They get the names. I really love Emily Blunt and I really loved hearing about her career and how much it exploded after The Devil Wears Prada because she was actually, I say, relatively unknown before that movie. I just really love her. She's got great energy. I loved hearing how she worked with John Krasinski and how kind of hesitant she was to work on A Quiet Place with him. Great interview. 10 out of 10. Beautiful. Can I also let the listeners in on something fun? We're yeah. about a month out from your wedding. Oh, yeah. We are about a month out from How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Yeah? I think we're meant to feel good, uh-huh. so I'm feeling good. I was feeling a bit more nervous at the end of last year. I said that to you. I'm quite a nervous person, mm. and I was finding myself getting quite nervous. I don't know why. Not about the marriage. I feel the need to kind of make that very clear. <laughs> just about... Am I making the worst choice of my life? <laughs> just about like the... It's a lot of eyes. A lot yeah. of people, And then people yeah. think that I'm lying when I say that because this is our job. And then they're like, you can't be that concerned about eyes mm. or being the centre of attention. Mm. But like there are no actual eyes in this room watching no, you right now. That's it's the difference. just us. Yeah. Maybe we could audio stream your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be no eyes. But now I feel really good. I feel really excited, which is nice. Got my hands on the weekend. Have um, you landed on your aisle song? Because you are a stickler for the lyrics when it comes to an aisle song. I am. We have two. Ooh, a mashup. A Because <laughs> I had said, I can't remember if I said it on this podcast, did I? Yeah, I did, that I wasn't happy with where it was going. I'm still not stoked with where it's at. But sometimes I think what I've learned is marriage might be about setting things free. <laughs> it might be about this thing called compromise. Yeah, so I'm not walking down the aisle to a song that I love, but I don't mind But it. you love Ollie and yeah. that's all that matters. And she walks down, she'll whisper to people, be like, not my choice. Yeah. I didn't want it. No, it's fine. It's also like the other thing that's kind of nice to remind yourself is it's not that deep. It's actually, you said to me, you're like, what was your aisle song again? I'm like, I actually don't remember. Yeah, it just is what it is. No, I'm really excited. So as you say, about a month to go. Let's see how I go in the next month. Woohoo. I've got an eye you in need of some intrigue. So do I. I've got a super speedy one. In fact, I think this will be the quickest one we've ever had. Well, first of all, are you in need of some intrigue? Always. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, did we know that Daisy Edgar Jones's dad 
was one of the creators of Big Brother, the reality TV show. I did it. I did know this. This dates back to 2000, 2001. He was in the original team that brought Big Brother to life. He was the creative director of the show. And if you Google him, his name is Philip Edgar Jones. He has done some like impassioned defences of reality TV and Big Brother because like obviously the mid noughties this was the most controversial show under the sun. There's a piece that he wrote, I think, for The Guardian about the five reasons Big Brother's all good and that like the controversy isn't fair. This <laughs> <laughs> is kind of funny thinking that one of my favourite actresses, I mean, obviously I fell in love with Daisy Edgar Jones when she was in Normal People. I just didn't expect that her dad would be one of the brains behind Big Brother. And you would love that he's defended reality TV. Of course. I'm like, I would slot so well into this family. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember this coming up during like the Nepo baby conversation. Yeah. Finding out that Daisy Edgar Jones is one. Well, he's now huge in television. Mm. I knew knew he was sort of in the industry, but not in the Mm. Hollywood acting industry. Mm. But I didn't know that. Yeah, Mm. there you go. Are you intrigued? I am sufficiently intrigued. I also have an are you in need of some intrigue. (laughs) The first part of this Are You In Need Of Some Intrigue is I only realised yesterday that in our doc when we kind of prep our notes and whatever it might be, instead of writing Are You In Need Of Some Intrigue, we write the acronym and it actually, if you were to read out the acronym, it's actually Are You Nosy? (laughs) Well, yeah. And so I don't know if I should ask you Are You In Need Of Some Intrigue or just Uh, Are You Nosy? Uh, Yes and yes. I was actually wondering if that was your Are You In Need Of Some Intrigue. My Are You In Need Of Some Intrigue. Look. I knew this very briefly, but I hadn't got the details. And this week I found the details and I found it very interesting. It's about George Clooney in 2013. Now, a couple of years ago, George Clooney's best mate, a guy called Randy Gerber. Who is he? Is he Kai Gerber's dad? Correct. Oh, we're talking about the Nepo dads today. Yeah. Yeah. So Kai Gerber's dad, Cindy Crawford's husband, one of George Clooney's best mates, started um, the tequila brand with him. This is Mm -hmm. none of it's relevant, but I just thought the more I tease it out, the more impressed you'll be. Yep. No, suspense building. (laughs) He went on MSNBC and told a story about how years earlier, George Clooney had summoned 14 of his friends friends, his best friends, into a room and given them a million dollars each in cash in a suitcase. Have mm. you heard this story? No. Yes. I think we may have talked about this very early on in the show. Yeah. And so, but what I loved is the story of why he decided to do it and how he pulled it off. Because when he was interviewed at years later, people were like, how do you just get that much cash? So anyway, <laughs> when he was asked about it, he was actually interviewed about it in GQ after Randy Gerber gave that interview. And he said, I was a single guy. All of us were aging. I was 52 or something. And most of my friends are older than me. So it was 2013. This movie Gravity that he was in was about to come out and they didn't want to pay the actors because they didn't have a lot of budget. So they ended up giving them like a percentage of profits. The movie ended up going gangbusters and they all made a heap of money off the movie. This was also before he sold his tequila brand for like a billion dollars as well. So he was rich, but not super, not billion. <laughs> I was going to say not, not super, super, super rich. rich. He still was <laughs> super rich. <laughs> and he thought he wasn't going to have kids. Yeah. He thought he wasn't going to have a family. You'd be a bit pissed off. If you were kids. <laughs> yeah. And he said, and I thought, what do I have? These guys who have all over a period of 35 years helped me in one way or another. I've slept on their couches when I was broke. They loaned me money when I was broke. They helped me when I needed help over the years. And I've helped them over the years. We're good friends. And I thought, you know, without them, I don't have any of this. So in order to get the cash, he went to an undisclosed location in downtown LA where they have giant pallets of cash. And he got an old beat up van that said florist on it. And he said it was like he was in a heist movie. He drove down there. 
he packed suitcases with the cash and drove it home what? in a florist van. Yeah, that's what he said. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, the, as I'm reading it, I'm like, it sounds a bit too good to be true. And so because he couldn't be seen to be George Clooney, just the actor out well, in the world, with just how many millions of dollars did 14 he $14 million dollars 14 in cash. Million. I think also just because easy to be stolen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fair. You don't want to draw attention to the fact you have $14 million worth of cash in your boot. Also, it looks pretty dodgy. And where do you go? You just rock up to the bank and said, I'd like to No, withdraw. he went to an undisclosed location. Okay, interesting. So he's not saying that had just cash and cash. So it sounds dodgy <laughs> as. Anyway, so I found this quite interesting as well because Randy Gerber, I was like, also, I hope his name is Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look mean? that up. Well, it's R-A-N-D-E. Could it be Rand? Rand. I think this might oh. be Rand. Am I just been calling him Randy Andy? <laughs> Randy's a bit funnier though. Whatever, let's call him Randy. I was like, Randy Gerber doesn't need a million dollars. No, Randy's fine. And he said, I wanted to give it away. I said to George at the time, I don't want this. And he said, if one person doesn't take the money, then no one gets oh. it. So then Randy was like, I'll take the money. And then he gave it to charity. Or so he said. <laughs> I love the idea of giving, like him giving all his friends a million dollars. But I wonder if in real life it was actually extremely awkward. Well, I wanted like, to ask you guys that. How would you feel if one of your friends turned up and said, here's a million dollars? Oh, completely stoked. Yeah. But slightly orcs. Like, I think I would look at my friends and be like, am I on your payroll? Well, people now? have always been like, oh, would it make the power dynamic too weird? I think we're overthinking Yeah, it. fuck that. Free money. <laughs> I reckon. Also, isn't the power dynamic already weird? It's George yes, Clooney. He's a 100%. movie star and you're in his orbit. You're going to naturally kind of maybe be seen as second fiddle most of the time. Because anyway. I'd always thought if I was to win the lottery, I would give out like a portion of the money to my immediate family yeah. and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh, but it would make them feel awkward. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a friend, I think in the moment you'd be a bit like, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of my little sister, Evelyn, who won't even take $5 from someone. Yeah. I think you might have a to and fro, but I love the rule of you all take it or none of you Yeah, do. I yeah. thought that was perfect. Pressure. Imagine looking at your friend and be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> this is my beach house. Yeah, I know. It's like my <laughs> retirement fund. Anyway, so that's my, are you nosy? Thanks, Absolutely Zazie. love it. I am nosy and that was brilliant. Guys, shall we get into the quick and dirty? Let's do it. Go what on, is Zara? the quick and dirty? <laughs> this is your intro. Oh, yeah, it is. No, it's actually yours. I'm oh. meant to be hosting it. Uh, <laughs> the quick and dirty is the rough and tumble of the five What? <laughs> what? Wait. Okay, the quick and dirty is the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Well job. done. Thank you so much. Our first story is Ara McDonald. What is it? Our first story, untangling the Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj beef. That is from the Cartmish. Of course, we had to lead with this one. Oh, this has to be the biggest story of the week. It has so many twists and turns. So listen up is what I will tell the listeners. Pay attention, everyone. I am going to give you the backstory. In case you didn't know, two of the biggest names in rap, Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj, have been locked in a feud for a while now. According to tabloids, this dates back about four years to 2020, when Megan and Cardi B, of course, another major name in the industry, collabed on... The song with the acronym WAP, I think I have called it WAP in the past. I think the listeners have yelled at me that it's WAP. Well, we've already <laughs> fucked up today. I've called him Randy. Yeah, it can be WAP or WAP. It was wet ass pussy. Yeah. <laughs> beep, beep. Sorry, Blade. <laughs> Producer Annabelle on it. Now, beep, beep, beep. 
<laughs> this became one of the biggest songs of the pandemic. It went absolutely crazy. Nicki Minaj and Cardi B were on bad terms at the time. So when Nicki saw that her enemy in Cardi B collabed with Megan The Stallion on this song, it became this kind of Cardi and Megan The Stallion against Nicki Minaj dynamic. Are we all with me? We're yes. there. Beautiful. Fast forward a couple of years to 2022. In September that year, Nicki Minaj went on a popular show called Queen Radio and said some weird things about an unnamed peer in the music industry. She said a fellow female rapper told her to drink alcohol when she was pregnant and get an abortion. She also made comments that this particular rapper was generally unsupportive of her career. Shortly after that went viral on social media, Megan Thee Stallion tweeted, lie. Yeah, which obviously made everybody connect the two. Yes. Now, I think other people also thought that Nikki referenced Megan Thee Stallion in her 2023 single, Red Ruby to Sleaze, but nothing was like ever conclusive. And then late last week, Mish, Megan Thee Stallion dropped Hiss, her new track, and everything exploded. Yes. Lyrics in Hiss reference Megan's law. I'm going to read you the lyric. These hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law. Now, that is supposedly about Nicki Minaj. I know what you're wondering, Annabelle. How is that about Nicki Minaj? Well, Megan's law is the law that requires information about registered sex offenders to be made publicly available. We have discussed this on the show before, Zara. Nicki Minaj's husband, Kenneth Petty, is a registered sex offender. Yeah, so he pleaded guilty to attempted rape in 1994. He was 16 years old at the time. He served four years in prison. By 2020, he was then arrested for failing to register as a sex offender in California. And in 2021, Jennifer Huff, the woman he attempted to assault at Knife Point, actually sued him for harassment. So she claimed that he pressured her to recant her accusation. So it's pretty dark here in this part of the story. Yeah. And while we're in this part of the story... Also want to include the fact that Nicki Minaj's husband was accused of making violent threats towards Cardi B's husband Offset late last year. So when all of this is going on, you know, he's going through the court for a allegedly harassing Jennifer. He is accused of making violent threats towards Offset. And that was deemed a violation of his probation, which saw him be put on four months of house arrest. So from what we can tell, Kenneth Petty is still on house arrest for making violent threats against Offset. Back to Nikki and Megan the Stallion, though. Yeah, might make a bit more sense why everybody thinks that Megan the Stallion's reference to Megan's law is therefore a nod to Nicki Minaj's husband. Mm. Now, after that, Nicki Minaj went on Instagram Live and teased the impending release of her new single. On Instagram Live, viewers could clearly hear the lyric, Bad bitch, she likes six foot. I call her Bigfoot. The bitch fell off. I said, get up on your good foot. Mm, a very obvious and low dig at Megan Thee Stallion's 2020 experience of being shot in the foot by Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez was trialed two years later and found guilty of that shooting. In that trial, Megan spoke of the trauma she endured, saying, I don't feel like I want to be on this earth. I wish he would have just shot and killed me if I knew I would have to go through this torture. So Nicki Minaj has responded to what I would call a subtle diss on his with like one of the lowest of low blows. And the way things have unraveled since then is kind of fascinating. Nicki Minaj is getting so messy all over social media. She literally has not stopped posting about Megan Thee Stallion. 
Meanwhile, on the other hand, Megan, since all of this unfurled and Bigfoot was teased out, she's only posted one photo of herself laughing on her Instagram stories. Like there was no text, no nothing, just her laughing on Instagram. And that's it. So we have two women apparently locked in a feud handling this in polar opposite ways. Yeah, well, it's a feud, but really you've got one person saying the majority of it. Now, on Sunday, the single Bigfoot dropped. The artwork is a big footprint in the ground. Then you've got Nikki's smaller foot in like a high heel in the middle of it. The song is, as you said, Mish, kind of as low as you can go. It references Megan's late mother, for example. She also accused Megan of sleeping with her best friend's boyfriend. Nikki then claimed on social media that she has another five songs about Megan the Stallion ready to go. How do you reference someone's dead mother? In, like it's, I don't know. I know that this is also part of the culture. Like these kind of diss tracks are really common in rap music. But looking at what Megan did, talking about Megan's law, compared to what Nikki is now doing, it's just really crazy to me how heavy handed Nicki Minaj is with all of this. And I mean, we're not reading the lyrics from Bigfoot because to be honest, they're really gross. The kind of way she's speaking about Megan the Stallion is just completely unforgivable. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the other thing that's interesting to note here is that social media is largely on Megan the Stallion's side. I mean, the top comment on Nikki's tweet of the full song lyrics has more likes than Nikki's post itself, which mm. I think says everything. That comment is, "This is terrible. We aren't listening." That's yeah. forty-six, or it had forty-six thousand likes at the time we prepped this. Yeah. Another weird detail about this story is that Nikki is claiming all over social media that Bigfoot is the biggest debut in Apple Music history. She's made a few different claims, different tweets say different things. Sometimes she's claiming it's the biggest debut from a female rapper. Other times it's just the biggest debut full stop. But when we checked the Apple Music global daily top 100 chart, which you would think is the fact, <laughs> presents exactly that, Hiss is number one. So Megan the Stallion song is number one. Bigfoot is number two. So I, I can't find it within me to believe that this is the biggest song debut in history. I don't think it can be if you're not even hitting number one. I actually just don't think it's possible. I just, I'm really on Megan The Stallion's side. I know when a lot of these stories come up, it's like, oh, I can see both sides. I'm on the fence. Not this one. So wholly on Megan The Stallion's side, I cannot believe that this is unfurling the way it has. Yeah, coming up after the break. Sophia Richie Grange is pregnant. We need to talk about Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl. And then, slow news week. <laughs> <laughs> A word from today's sponsor. Second story, Taylor Swift will have to fly five and a half thousand miles to make Travis Kelsey's Super Bowl. That's from Elle magazine. I can't believe it. I cannot believe that well, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Life you, is a fairy tale. You can <laughs> believe it. We knew this. But there was no world. I'm sorry. I never imagined mean? a world. But maybe this is, you know. The power of Taylor Swift. Well, the, I was going to say the power of the Oracle. <laughs> Me. I was like, there was no world where this wasn't going to happen. There were plenty of worlds. No. Like, when I was in New York, I was kind of invested in the ladder for the NFL. And sure, the Kansas City Chiefs were always up there, 
But there were so many other teams that were up there too. I know they feel like a sure thing. I know when they had a few shaky games, but there was no reality that was different to this one. There was only (laughs) one reality that was going to turn out, and it was this. Now, in case you did miss it, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Baltimore Ravens over the weekend. (laughs) I can firmly say the Baltimore Ravens may never, ever be mentioned on Shameless again (laughs) after this. And while we're not one to normally update you on NFL games, it is especially important because Taylor Swift was there, and of course, it means that the Chiefs will face off against the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> at the Super Bowl on February 11 in Vegas. Mish. We have to play the Super Bowl in the Shameless Office. Oh, no shit. Obviously, we always play the halftime show. I just turn for it on the for the first that. time ever, I am going to be very distracted from my work watching the actual game. I am deeply invested now in this fairy tale. Oh, completely. Now, after last week's game, Taylor Swift was seen on the field with Mama Kelsey embracing and hugging Travis, she was also seen laughing and clapping. I don't know if you guys saw this. When Travis yelled into the mic after the game, you've got to fight for your right to party. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Did you also see when they hugged? Sorry, I'm getting really into the Taylor and Travis law now. That they said I love you to yeah. each other. Yeah. People were saying, did he say I love you so much it's not even funny? Yeah. And she whispered, I think, whispered I love you too into his ear and then said I've never been so happy. It's insane. Yeah. Something like that. Plus Thank or it. minus 50%. Yeah, at least 50%. <laughs> now, the conversation has since turned to how Taylor Swift is going to get to the Super Bowl given she will be back on tour and the Grammys are on. I feel like we should lay this out. I mean, I have done a bit of digging and granted, I've just realised after I did all my digging that the internet did too. So I probably could have taken other people's digging, but alas, I did this all myself. Now that's a real journalist right there. Yeah. And keep in mind that mental gymnastics, this has taken me because of all the time zones. Mm. Oh, so I, if I'm we've struggled impressed. with month maths, imagine this math. Time zone maths is my least favourite kind of math. So Taylor Swift has the Grammys on February 4 in LA. She is up for a few key awards, including album record and song of the year. She will be at the awards. There were a few reports that she was going to perform at the Grammys. ET reported that as false. I can't imagine how she's going to perform at the Grammys before going back on tour. I just don't think she needs to. She'd be saving her voice as well. Agree. Because by February 7, she needs to be in Tokyo for her first concert. So she'd be flying straight back out from LA Mm. to Tokyo on Feb 5. She's doing four shows in four nights in Tokyo. We know that these concerts are three and a half hours long of her performing. She finishes on February 10. The Super Bowl, as we mentioned, is February 11 at 3.30pm Vegas time. So can she do it? Of course she can do it. How can she do it? So the total flight time between Tokyo and Vegas is about 11 hours and 35 minutes, but that's commercial, right? Mm. Commercial flights allow about half an hour for takeoff and landing. I did also Google quite generally, private planes can fly faster. If they, yeah, some can, but I don't have specifics. God, it must be nice to be rich. They fly faster. They can. Some can fly faster, yes. But (laughs) I don't have any more specific stats on that. We can't be far off celebrities having their own rocket ships or something. Genuinely. Now, assume she finishes the concert at midnight on Feb 10 in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. She gets on a plane by 1am at the latest. Like, she's just Mm -hmm. going straight to the plane. She will land in Vegas at 12pm Tokyo time on the 11th. But what time is that in Vegas? Well, it's the evening before. Vegas is 17 hours behind Tokyo. So she gets there, has a sleep, and then goes to the Super Bowl. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, Super Bowl ends. Let's say they. <laughs> let's say the Chiefs win. Uh huh. Of course. Well, as you know, Oracle, 
They Sorry, will win. there's no there's no reality. As I said, there's one reality, and the Chiefs will win. She parties on the evening of Feb 11. She wakes up in Vegas on Monday, Feb 12. That's all good. She has to get to Melbourne by Feb 16. I think she's flying out the next morning. She likes to spend a few days rehearsing. <laughs> Is this too deep? Because so I'm funny. actually only about halfway through. <laughs> you're like schedule. You're like then she'll party. Well, I heard you say in the office you were something. Like, so it was like something something nautical miles, and I was, I was like, like, what is going on? I, was like, I might have gone too deep because the thing is. The thing that I do think people haven't been flagging here, and I think this is where everybody else's research has fallen down. So, yes, I think she'll make it and it will all be doable. It is about 8,000 miles from Vegas to Melbourne. Her plane is the Dorset Falcon 900. <laughs> you have not found that. It is. That is weird. Not all that has gone beyond investigative no. journalism to a little tiny dash of stalking. Give her some privacy, Zara. <laughs> it's so easy to find. Dorset Falcon the, Dor- the Dorset Falcon 900. That can only, and I think this is where everyone has ignored. It can only fly, according to my research, and my research could be wrong, but my research can only fly a maximum of about 4,750 nautical miles at one time before having to refuel. Okay. So she will have to stop on the way from Vegas to Melbourne. That research also tells me that she'll actually have to stop on the way from Tokyo to Vegas. Oh, that's Unless there's like a backup fuel gauge that they can kind of rely on. Taylor, let us know. So, I don't know. I just think because it's 5,512 nautical miles-ish. That means nothing Between to Tokyo me. and Vegas. What the fuck is a nautical mile? Well, I think it's just a mile in the air. It's <laughs> what I would assume. A mile in the sky. Now, so I think she can do it all, but she will be cooked. Imagine yeah. the jet lag. Like, what time zone do you sit on? Well, I was thinking, is she... I imagine she'd have some kind of double bed arrangement in her private gym. Totally. Is she just going to be sleeping and they'll be like painting her face on? Well, I was wondering because her she'll have a team that will have to travel with her. So does she take the bed and everybody else sits up for oh, this? Oh, absolutely. And Mate, if, she's so important to the economy. Yeah, true. If she doesn't perform or if she falls unwell, people, I, I was going to say, people die. <laughs> <laughs> people no, will be sad. People will be sad. Yeah, you're right. I think she just jumps into bed and sleeps through it all. So I think it's all very doable. <laughs> I mean, I think she'll do it. I think our Melbourne concert could be really special, guys. Guys, I think we're going to get a proposal. I think it's crazy. Like, the Friday concert after the Super Bowl, after everybody's focused on her flying around in a Dassault Falcon 900. (laughs) I also want to make a point. Every time I talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey getting engaged, I cop it a little bit in my Instagram DMs. People saying that marriage is not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, and that it's anti-feminist. And I will just say, maybe it is, but I feel like when it comes to Taylor and Travis, I just regress a little yeah. bit like you know how babies go through like a four-month sleep regression mm. I go through a maturity regression when it comes to this but I'm not I'm not saying this like they'll get engaged because I feel that this is the final cherry she needs to complete her life <laughs> mm. truly it's actually nothing in the grand context of her life oh my god yeah. it's just a fun little fact that we've predicted so let us predict it yeah I do have to take a slight change of tact or tune now because while we're speaking about Taylor Swift I do think it's probably worth mentioning that there were some pretty horrific fake and graphic images oh. of her circulating on Twitter earlier this week. Did you guys see these when they came oh, up? Oh, just like very shocking. And it sparked a big conversation about what laws should be in place to protect people from having AI-generated explicit images made with their face on them. I mean, it's not just a celebrity problem. Unfortunately, someone like Taylor Swift goes first with things like this. Becomes the face of it. Yeah, 
But the issue has been so serious that it's caught the attention of the White House, who on Friday did call the spread of these images alarming. I think likely there will be legislation drafted soon. I also think it's very telling if Elon Musk's ex, formerly known as Twitter, had to take action, which I feel like Mm. is kind of rare for them. And they blocked the search term Taylor Swift. So if you, I haven't checked this morning if it's still blocked, but if you went on Twitter yesterday and searched Taylor Swift, it just came up with something went wrong just Mm. to kind of, you know, stop the spread of these images. It's kind of correct. When I logged into X slash Twitter and these, the two images were the very top of my feed and obviously look exactly like Taylor Swift. It's just Black Mirror-esque to see that, to know that, a woman's consent can now be taken from her in this way. It's just like another way that we can debase women without them saying yes to it. It's so violent. Like oh, it's, it's gross. so violent. And of course they were set up at the NFL. Like of yeah. course these images were positioned at the NFL where she's already copped it for, you know, distracting men from the game and all that kind of stuff. I just it's gross. It's really weird. It's really gross and it feels incredibly nerve-wracking that this could happen on a much larger scale to many 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 women totally I don't know if you saw a TikTok video of Taylor at the NFL last week where someone yelled out to her you're ruining football and she just yelled back I didn't do anything (laughs) which is absolutely true our third story Doja Cat tops hottest 100 G flip breaks countdown record that is from the Sydney Morning Herald a quick one guys it's been a huge year for G flip already I mean we're only a month in they nabbed the second spot in the triple J hottest 100 on the weekend with their single the worst person alive and more importantly, broke the record for the number of songs featured in a single chart. They got seven songs in the top 100. That's so many songs. It's so many songs that it's just so impressive. It was actually a really great year for Australian acts. Dom Dollar had two features in the top five, Saving Up and Rhyme Dust. Troy Sivan took out the eighth spot for Rush. And then a non-Australian, sorry, Billie Eilish's What Was I Made For came in at number seven. A good one for those who are more mainstream than Triple J. I was going to say, I was looking at this chart, the results of the chart, mm-hmm. I guess, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> and, you know, you've got your Billie Eilish's in there. You've got your Olivia Rodrigo's. I'm pretty sure Vampire came in in the top ten as well. And I thought, gosh, remember that decision from Triple J to ban Taylor Swift that year? Mm. Oh, yeah. Hasn't aged very well. No, totally. it hasn't at all. It doesn't it's, really make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And clearly I'm still not over it. <laughs> now, the top gong went to Doja Cat for her single Paint the Town Red. It made Doja the first woman of colour to ever win the Hottest 100. Yeah, it's incredible. People were not happy, though. Did you guys see some of the commentary on social media and some of the headlines that were generated after this? No. There were all these headlines I found being like, is it time for us to finally make the Hottest 100 Australian only? Or why would an Australian artist come in second to an international one? And I don't know, maybe I'm coming across as a bit of a boomer. But it did make me feel a bit like people are never happy. Like, can we just be happy that this was a great Hottest 100 all round? Also, it's a public vote. I don't know how much we can keep wheeling out this, you know, it needs to be Australian acts, it needs to be Australian acts. So many Aussies were in the top 10. And at the end of the day, the people are going to vote for who they vote for. Yeah, I don't know about that as well, because like, are they saying the same thing when Kendrick Lamar wins Mm. or when Billie Eilish wins? Mm. You know, this is certainly not the first time. An American artist has taken the top gong. Yeah. Yeah. And Macklemore and Ryan Lewis have won before. Like, <laughs> come way. on. Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, don't mind Macklemore, to be honest. I don't know why I died on that hill. Our fourth story. Sophia Richie Grange is pregnant and it's a... 
From Vogue. (laughs) (laughs) Dramatic pause. Funny little headline to read out. She's having a baby and the baby is a girl. The baby is a girl. She announced the news with a shoot with Vogue. She sounds like she's quite far along. Six months. Yeah. I think, which is interesting. She said six months. This is what's kind of interesting, right? There's two different dates going around. Is this what you're about to say? So she said in the interview, I've learned so much in the last six months. It's not yes. funny. Like insinuating since I got pregnant. and the, But she also kind of time stamped when she found out she was pregnant. She said she found out she was super, super early pregnant and it was at Milan Fashion Week. I went back and checked when she was at Milan Fashion Week and I was like, it's not adding up. Yeah, no, I I don't know. It doesn't matter. Thing. But my month maths. I think it's intentional. I think she's intentionally keeping people away from the actual due date because she wants that to be private. But I noticed in the Vogue piece, two different dates didn't line up. She's like, we just had our 20-week scan. I'm six months in kind of thing. You know what? You're bang on. Like, I think she probably wanted to tell the story of how she found out. But Mm. you don't want to be giving up that kind of information because it's so private. And she's kept it private for so long now for a reason. It sounds like they were really loving kind of having this in their bubble. I really adored this quote from Sophia. She said, I want my child to be a child. I'm not going to publicize my child on Instagram. I don't plan to take that approach because I want my kid to have the option to do what she wants with her life. If she wants to be a private person, I want her to be able to make that choice. And if she wants to be a public person, she can make that choice for herself. It's really interesting when I hear celebrities who have been famous for most of their lives say this. Mm. Like, I don't think they will ever intend it to be pointed, but I think it says a lot about you know, their desire to have a choice. I also do think it's really interesting that she decided to announce this with Vogue rather than just straight to her community on Instagram. You don't see this a lot anymore. Mm. I think if you see celebrities announce uh, weddings or big milestones or whatever it might be, you see them announce direct to their community. But I think this speaks a lot to her desire to be seen as the fashion it girl, Mm. the one that's very aligned with Chanel and Vogue. And I think that's clever in a way. And these photos were stunning. Stunning. Some of my Mm -hmm. favourite photos I was going to say of the year, but that doesn't really count. No, it's, it? it's, we're recording this on January <laughs> And yet it's a fact. Yeah, our fifth story. Charlie XEX shares ridiculous list of marketing ideas from label, including releasing sex tape shoplifting. That is from Complex. Annabelle, have you seen this? I saw it in Slack yesterday when you sent it in. <laughs> nice. Well, for the listeners who haven't seen it, earlier this week, Charlie XEX shared a list of marketing ideas that her team apparently sent her. Now, Now, it's slightly confusing. First, she wiped her entire feed clean, right? So this is the only post. This is the first one to go up after deleting everything else. And it was a screenshot of something her team apparently sent over to her, like a list of marketing ideas or PR stunt concepts. The caption Charlie wrote was, things have been boring without me. Swipe for some marketing ideas I was sent last week. Yeah. These ideas were... Strange, Very to strange. say the least. <laughs> Let's read some of them out. There was Charlie gets her nipples pierced at Claire's. There was Charlie <laughs> leaks a sex tape a la Midnight in Paris. Paris Hilton sex tape in parentheses. Mm. And then something referred to as a Winona moment. Now, the Winona moment has a little explainer beneath it that reads, Charlie gets caught shoplifting at a mall and leaks the CCTV footage. Position it carefully so he's still from a brand that Charlie is planning on collaborating with later on. What do we think about this? This went viral. Like this post from Charlie naturally got picked up by the likes of Complex and Pedestrian and the pop culture websites. And I also saw it and was like, what the fuck? And put it into Slack being like, what's going on? Is this legit? Was this a legit marketing PR plan list that Charlie XCX was sent? No. Or is this very meta and this is the PR stunt? This is the PR stunt. 
I think it could be both. It's not like nuanced enough for me. One of them is Charlie announces she's running for office. <laughs> that is not part of your marketing plan. It's like bring it down by 35% and I would believe it. But that's why this does kind of feel true to me. It does kind of feel like a dump, like an ideas dump of wild ideas that would then be refined later on. I think both things are true. I think Charlie was sent this list and a marketing person did write it as a first draft. And then once they were talking it through, she was like, how unhinged would it be and how newsworthy would it be if I list this? Just share this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could have started as a legit list. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, she also posted a TikTok of her and some friends, like some well-known, reading out the ideas over wine. So it just felt like, oh, I get it. (laughs) This is like content content. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's really lent in. Yes. And now mm. I'm leaning out because I'm I like, just, I don't like it as much anymore. I don't really, I think it's like, I don't really get it. <laughs> <laughs> is that all for today's Cook and Dirty? That is all we've got. It's been a slow news week. Don't worry, they'll go back to not recognising you soon enough. <laughs> Every time we hear that, I'm like, does it work? Does it not work? <laughs> it does work. It does work. All right. I am hosting this week's Slow News Week. For those who are new here or don't remember, Slow News Week <laughs> is when it is <clears throat> a bit of a slow news week. <laughs> And we decide to test each other on stories you may have missed from the week. Slower stories. Mish, you're in the hot seat today. We are now starting at the start of the year, so we can add up our points over the course of a whole year. Oh, well, it's a competition, guys. Like, we're here to win, and you did win last year, so I'm really trying to bring my A game this year. I don't think I've made these too hard. Okay. At least one of them. (laughs) Are you ready for your questions? Yes. Can I phone a friend in Annabelle Lee if I'm Um, stumped? Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) My first question. Married at First Sight premiered on Monday. Now, it has once again dominated TV ratings. It reached over 2.4 million viewers for its season 11 debut. Mm. The Daily Mail posited the theory that the perhaps Married at First Sight has cast their cruelest villain of all time. Oh, shit. With that in mind... I would like you to fill in the blanks. Oh, okay. Yep. 34-year-old Jack, who describes himself as an alpha male. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) My type. (laughs) Is in search of a respectfully what partner? Submissive. Bingo! I know my alpha male. (laughs) You know who would say that? Prince Frederick. Yeah, yeah. Or King. King King Frederick. Oh, I can't believe uh, she thinks I aren't always right. (laughs) Um, All right. My second question. A new Nielsen report has just been published Mm. analysing (laughs) the way in which audiences streamed TV last year. Well, it was Mm. a slow news. (laughs) I think if we're leaning on Nielsen, which is quite a media, (laughs) it is slow. What was the most streamed program in the US last year? I will give you three options. Oh, thank you. See, I've I've been nice. Yeah, you have. A, Ted Lasso. B, The Office. Or C, Suits. Ooh, Annabelle, let's have a little quick brainstorm. Is that allowed? Oh, whatever. (laughs) I feel like it would be something like The Office. I feel like The Office had a bit of a revival last year. Correct? People love to tap into the nostalgia. Nostalgia. (laughs) But Ted Lasso, I don't think it's... Ted Lasso's been floundering. I watched season three with Mitch and we did not like it. And Suits would have hit its high when Meghan and Harry got married. True, but Mitch did watch Suits back to back three times last year, every season. And maybe that in and of itself is a sign. I'm going to lock in The Office. It suits. Yeah. I was surprised by that. Mitch has watched, sorry to expose you, darling. He's watched 
suits maybe 12 times episode one through to nine or how, or 10 however many there are well there are just so many episodes look the categories were quite like hard to understand <laughs> ted lasso won its own which has like most strange original from last year or something so really, it was really highly okay. strange okay. yeah but suits overall which is so fascinating to me i wasn't expecting it the doco didn't that come out last year maybe that yeah. oh the megan and I, you know what? I actually don't think it has that much to do with megan and harry as much as it does it's just with, a good show there's a lot of seasons there's a lot of episodes right. and people loved that show you're yeah. right also megan and harry haven't been around no. the last 12 months not at all all right damn my final okay. question you're still on one you're doing well okay i think you'll get this one <laughs> an internationally famous band was interviewed on the project earlier this week oh. on that show Steve Price said before the interview was aired, can I sing? No. Can I play an instrument? No. So I'd fit in the band perfectly. <gasps> Steve. What band was he talking about? Fuck. Why can't I think of a single band? Right <laughs> I was going to say the, it's, not, it's not the 1975. No. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. Okay, think. Triple J was around this week. Was oh. it something from the top 100? A band. Not like Boy Genius. He wouldn't. No. Wouldn't, he, Boy Genius wouldn't go on the project. They wouldn't go on the project. Who would go on the project? A young. <laughs> can we can we get a clue? Can you give us one letter um. in the first word of the band? Okay. In the first word? Well, the first word's like a setup word. So it's the. The. Is it the 1975? She doesn't look oh, like it. Oh, she's giving us nothing facially. Damn it. <laughs> I think I'm going to start with one out of three this year. Okay. Any bands coming to mind still? None. The Wiggles, maybe? <laughs> I'm going to go with... I think The Wiggles was close. It wasn't, it wasn't that Royal Oats thing, was it? Remember the ones that did the cover? All right, I've shot clocks on. The Five. 1975. Wrong. What was it? Look, guys, I actually am surprised you didn't get this because I pitched this as a story <laughs> in our oh, really? Slack channel and you didn't reply, so I thought you hated it. I thought this story was hilarious. The Jonas Brothers. Oh, I would dare I say that. Steve Price has a point. Yeah, <laughs> what they can see? No, I can't deal with the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> I've said it on this show before. <laughs> the Joe Bros. <laughs> Guys, that is all we've got time for today. Damn it! One out of three. One out of three for Slow oh. Newsweek. I mean, here's to all the people watching Maths. Yeah, yeah. I want to become one of them. All of my friends are watching, and the group chat. I'm officially feeling excluded, so I think I need to jump in. But you need to jump in soon. Yeah, otherwise I'm gonna be like 50 hours behind. Totally. Guys, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening. As always, big thank you to our producer, Annabelle Lee, for You're audio editing this one. If you want to support the show, Mish, where can they go? Uh, go to your friends and yeah. tell them via the gospel of mouth yeah. <laughs> that the, you like the, us and that they should also like us and listen to us. That's the number one way people find out, word of mouth. Yeah, start book clubs but shameless clubs and discuss the episodes. Start oh, shameless clubs, idea. except the rule is... You love all of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we are your divine leaders. Kind, <laughs> kind words only. Uh, that's all. See you guys on Monday. Bye. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through 
It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.